Welcome to Mock 10 Sports in this February 26, 2024 episode. Glad you could be with us. I've been going out. I've been going without the hat for a couple episodes now. Kind of digging without the hat, but again, have a newborn, have a three-month-old, had to get some stuff done around the house. But we're still going to bring you the show, but uh, we got a lot to cover. Great guest today. Uh, coming in hot for us, coming in big time, get for us. 247 Sports College Football Analyst Brad Crawford joins the show uh, to discuss all things college football. Most overrated, most underrated coach, biggest transfer coming into the SEC that we should know about. Uh, what else do we have on the docket we talked about? We had, oh, what, what, if Ole Miss doesn't win the SEC or doesn't make the college football playoff, why would that be? So we talked about a lot of good things. It's coming up around 7.15 if you're just checking in and want to come back. Uh, we also have basketball power rankings. We're going to unveil. You know it's Monday. We do. Already got the Mississippi State people coming after me. Already got the Mississippi State Bulldog people coming after me. Tell me why Mississippi State should be ranked higher. You'll see where I have them ranked. And if you already want to spoil it, go look at how the movie ends. Go check out my Twitter. I already posted it. Uh, also, we got baseball review. How about Arkansas's pitching staff? Unbelievable. I know Hagen Smith, dude's a freaking stud. Dude's a stud. We'll talk about all that and a lot more, but let me get the show link over to our guy, Brad, before we go around the SEC for you here. Perfect. We just sent to Brad. So let's get rocking and rolling here, guys. Again, appreciate you joining us on this February 26th show. Let's get right to it. Kirby is on fire around the SEC. Georgia hires Georgia Tech. Wow, wide receivers coach, yeah, Josh Crawford to coach the running backs in Georgia after Dell McGee, in case you missed it, longtime Georgia assistant, head, moving on to be the head guy at Georgia State. It's good for him. Uh, our guy David Bowen, who was on with us recently, who has been a SEC director, is joining his staff as a close relationship with Dell McGee. Uh, but Dell McGee, one of the OGs on Kirby's Georgia staff, he is heading to Georgia State. His son signed there, so it's a good hire. I think Georgia State will get it done. But – Josh Crawford is uh, taking his role as the running backs coach. And they also hired South Carolina wide receiver coach James Coley. Been around the block before. Georgia fans are quite familiar with James Coley. He's been the OC at Georgia before. They weren't a big fan of that. But James Coley will do a phenomenal job recruiting his position. Uh, so they brought in two good hires here. I think from what I told Kirby and reached out to James Coley initially to kind of see if he'd be interested in that wide receiver spot. And then once Dale left, it was like, I need an older guy who kind of knows how do I operate on a day-to-day -day basis. We need something um, from that perspective. And I get it. When, when you're trying to bring in – you again, Georgia's getting that point where they're going to start to be like Alabama, revolving door. People are moving on for head coaching jobs, promotions, coordinators, stuff like that. You need some guys who know how you want to do it. James Coley was one of his first hires in 16, ultimately left because he, he had to demote him from the offensive coordinator or something. I think some of that was still Kirby Smart, Smart's fault. A little That was before Kirby was ready to take the lid off the offense. I mean, the games that come to mind when James Coley was the OC was what, the 0-0 game going into the fourth when they were playing in Kentucky back in 2019? I think people kind of respect that. But there was some rain on Kirby uh, on James Coley then. I think from what I've heard, they've mended that relationship a little bit. But I think that's why he hired him. Once Dell McGee left and OG on his staff, he knew he had to go get a guy who knew, quote-unquote, the Georgia way. And then he hired the young cat for some more energy. A guy can go recruit in Josh Crawford. But just wanted to bring up those two Georgia, those two new Georgia hires. And then quickly around the SEC, Alan Flanagan. In case you missed it, 
I'm going to show you the clip here. And in case you've been living under a rock, here's the Alan Flanagan elbow here that the SEC point being, the SEC came out and they were not giving additional attention. They bring this up because Alabama Muhammad Hakeem showed the clip of him. We've got to be more for people's We got a one game suspension against Kentucky. This happens if no suspension at all. What, what, what are we doing for the SEC? I, mean, I tweeted about it. The SEC is about inconsistent with this call as the official to call the court. I mean, I know everybody, there's no such thing as SEC basketball. When people say that because it just sounds like you're a little ignorant about the rules. So don't say it's the SEC, but there's no official league officials. It's just kind of in the proximity of how they assign these guys to their jobs. But again, you're telling me that I mean he got ejected here. The only thing I'm thinking the SEC is seeing here, the only possible thing would be maybe a he got ejected. And this is it early in the second half, whereas the Muhammad Wagi play for Alabama got missed and was actually a call and out kind of, but you can't penalize. Muhammad Wagee here, the kid that got suspended for Alabama, because the official didn't do his job and missed the call. That's right. I'm all for both of them being suspended. I think Muhammad Wagee should have been suspended, and so did Nate Oates. He said it on Friday in his press conference for the Kentucky game. Yeah, he should be, and I would have done it myself if I didn't. Um, but this, whoo, how, how do you not, how, how's, I mean, that's just a total, it's a cheap shot there, guys. It's a cheap shot there. How is that not called? How, how is that not called? I just I, I don't understand that. It's it's kind of it's kind of baffling to me there. If I'm being completely honest, how that is. Ugh, I, I just I, I don't I don't get that. I, I don't get. I, I you see. I, I, I I'm kind of baffled. I thought for sure it was a, a suspension. I thought for sure that was a suspension right there. But just wanted to show that real quick. Uh, and then also, before we move on to our guy, Brad Crawford, another video. In case you missed it, I'm sharing it right now. In case you missed it. Here it is, the the Cam, the Cam Newton fight here. I mean, who's trying to pick a fight in a peewee? I mean, look at him. He's in like his Harry Potter hat right here. I mean, who's attacking this guy? And I'm only saying this because I've seen Cam Newton multiple times in person. And I think anyone who's ever kept up with a sport of football can attest that Cam Newton is a pretty big dude. He's a pretty big dude. So I don't know why you would want to be messing with this dude, man. Like, I know people mess with his dress attire, but Cam Newton's a legit 6'2", 240, 250-pound dude. I stood next to him and was like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't pick a fight with this dude's quad. I mean, dude, his quad's the size of me. Like, I, and again, I'm not like a small guy, but again, I just don't understand this stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe these message board heroes, social media heroes, think they start picking it. Again, I don't know the context of this. Just thought it'd be a little fun icebreaker on the episode of Around the SEC here. But just wanted to talk about that 
uh, briefly. Brad's going to be on here in just a minute whenever you want. Maybe we get him on here just a little earlier. I can say whenever because we finished up around the SEC a little earlier. If not, we'll go around a little baseball action. If not, we'll move around a little baseball. Let's go. Let's go review the weekend that was in baseball while we're waiting on Brad. Again, quick thoughts on the SEC in baseball. I thought it was a good weekend across the league. I mean, I think the teams that kind of stood out, again, Arkansas, the pitching staff, the pitching staff for Arkansas was something to kind of keep an eye on. Again, I mean, Hagen Smith, I mean, I'm about to read you the ex exact crazy statistics they put up over this past weekend. And we'll start up. Oh, what's the wrong date? We'll start on the 23rd. Let's go to schedule. I like the way that reads better. Yeah, we'll go schedule right here. So, yeah, I thought Kentucky had a good weekend as well. They got two out of three in the Round Rock Classic as well. But I just want to kind of go over some teams. You can briefly see it. Stony Brook got the first one against LSU, Northern Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, or sorry, Georgia getting the sweep there. South Carolina getting two out of three against Belmont. Ole Miss dropping one on Friday night. Wasn't good. Mississippi State needed it. Alabama looking dominant. Vandy. Taking two out of three. Uh, Iowa, uh, Auburn holding on strong. I thought they were one of the more impressive teams from this past weekend as well. Then you had Florida getting kind of a big series win sweep against a pesky Columbia Lion team. AM doing what they need to do against Wagner. Uh, Arkansas playing again a tough schedule, dropping one to Oregon or beating Oregon State on Friday. And then Missouri getting a 10 3 10 3 win. Over, or sorry, San Diego State getting the 10-3 win over uh, Arkansas. Uh, and then heading in, stop sharing it for you real fast. I just kind of wanted to briefly go over just some quick thoughts in the weekend. I thought Arkansas flexed incredible pitching muscles this weekend. The Hogs went two and one, but a Razorback pitcher's followed just earned runs on 19 hits over 31 and a third innings in Arlington, striking out 59 in total while walking only 10 across three games. I mean, the rotation of Hagen Smith, Brady Tiger, Mason Molina combined for 17 innings, six hits, no runs, four walks, 33 strikeouts. You're going to win a lot of baseball games, a lot of series, and even the best leagues. So I thought it was a good weekend for Arkansas overall. Thought for Mississippi State after their midweek struggles against Austin Peay, excuse me, no one needed a good weekend more than Mississippi State. They took two out of three against a pesky Sunbelt Georgia Southern team. They got a 5-1 win, took a 4-11-4 or loss, then 2-10-2 win. I thought Kentucky, another impressive team, got it done, continued its away-from-home challenge going 2-1 and one Round Rock. They haven't played at home yet. They hadn't played where they opened up at UC Upstate, USC Upstate, took two out of three, or got the sweep against them last week. But the Wildcats dropped their first game against a solid Washington State team, Came back, beat Texas State, and beat a pesky Kansas team eight to five. Auburn went two and one in Jacksonville this weekend. Strong competition. This was a fun one to watch. I couldn't, I didn't pay for it like some people did. But Friday they got a seven five victory, one of the under the radar wins of the weekend. Getting a big win on Iowa's ace Brody Breck to score six runs in the final three innings, slugging three home runs in the process. Bobby Pierce feel like he's there since I've been in eighth grade, still there. Mason Manners, Kristen, uh, sorry, Christian Hall, they all went deep. Auburn scored 15 runs in the first four innings, and they mercy ruled Wichita State. And then Cooper McMurray's first inning grand slam set the tone. Pierce added three hits, including a dinger as well. And then Sunday, unfortunately, Auburn dropped one to a top 12 team in the country, two Virginia. Derek Fabian was the offensive star going three for four with a home run. 
I thought the rest of the league, honestly, I thought the rest of the league was pretty good. Yet Alabama's sneaky, sneaky undefeated team right now. Uh, they got a series against Manhattan last week. They swept. Uh, they got a, a sweep against a pesky Valparaiso team. Again, it's so early in baseball. Everybody plays such different schedules. I'm trying to think, Ole Miss needed two out of three. He probably needed the sweep, though, against High Point. I thought they left a little bit. Um to be desired there a little bit. I mean, you losing that first one to high point. Again, I don't think Mississippi State and Ole Miss are very good this year. Again, very early in the season, but it's just tough to kind of get fired up about this. It's tough to get fired up about these teams right now. Um, who else you got? Auburn. Again, I, I we mentioned them just a little bit. I'm still liking what I'm seeing from Auburn. Fought Florida bounced back. Big series sweep against Columbia. We talked about that briefly. Um, who else did I miss? Just talking before we get Brad here. I just wanted to get in just in case we couldn't get it on the back of the show because we got to clean in at eight o'clock. And again, I want to get deep in here with Brad. Brings good conversations from a college football standpoint. I've written a bunch of good articles recently. But again, just wanted to wrap up college baseball. We got we got a great weekend coming up. We got the Astros Foundation. Both LSU and Vandy will be in that in Houston at Minute Maid Park. College baseball series, Texas AM will be at Frisco. Alabama will be out in Frisco against I think Dallas Baptist. Texas Tech and Indiana. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech is a series. Florida, Miami have a series. South Carolina, Clemson have a series. And then Iowa, we just mentioned, they got Brody Breck. He's a good Friday night guy. They travel to Oxford to face Ole Miss. So this is the best weekend of the year in college so far in the non-conference play. Remember, we cut a non-conference week a couple years ago. So conference play, it's about two weekends away. First weekend of the NCAA tournament, one of the best weekends. But again, get excited about this upcoming weekend, but we got Brad Crawford joining us. Let me get him on. Brad, what's going on, man? How we doing, man? Good to see you. I appreciate you joining us, man. What's been going on with you? No problem at all, man. Busy, uh, busy Monday. Monday is my most jam-packed day of the week, but. Dude, I appreciate taking the time to come with us. And again, guys, college football analyst from 247 Sports, uh, also on the CBS Sports Network. Give him the follow at bcrawford247. Brad, let's get straight to it. You, I, I, I read all your stuff when you post it. I actually got your notifications, yeah, just like probably most people do. But just a couple of questions for you here. Let's. Get, I'm going to get right to it. If Ole Miss does not live up to expectations this year, in Brad Car- Crawford's opinion, I feel like everybody kind of has them penciled in top twelve. Sure. It's kind of it's not really that sexy of a pick to predict him to finish in the top four of the SEC this year. If they don't make the playoffs or finish in the top four. Why do you think that would be? Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think I was one of the first to put Ole Miss in the top five of my preseason rankings. I've, I've got Ole Miss four. I haven't seen anybody put them that high. This is Lane Kiffin's best team he's ever had as far as talent on paper. This is the best roster Ole Miss has ever had as a program, which includes two double-digit win seasons that Lane Kiffin's already had there in Oxford. But to get to your question, it would be one of two reasons for me. Either the run game isn't where it needs to be with Quinchon Judkins off to Ohio State. That means Logan Diggs or Bentley, you know, does not have the thousand yard season that we're expecting. Or Ole Miss loses a game early in SEC play that nobody saw coming, whether that's the opener against Kentucky and Oxford or the trip to South Carolina the following week. Ole Miss should win both those games. But if the Rebels start one and one in SEC play with several big time games left, including, you know, LSU then Lane Kiffin and the Rebels aren't, aren't getting the playoff. But I, I think that Ole Miss is going to be one of four SEC playoff teams. I, I have already locked that in, and I feel really good about the Rebels and their chances to get to 
maybe 10 and 2, 11 and 1 regular season. Yeah, you mentioned it. And you're right. You were one of the first I remember seeing that. But you're right. The schedule's there. And I think that's why so many people are high. Like, it's like you said, if they came in and had a, you still drew Texas or Tennessee or something right. like that, I think people would be like, all right, yeah, Ole Miss could make the playoffs, eight and four, nine and three. But you're right. the schedule, I mean, you get Oklahoma and Georgia both at home. I mean, you, you would assume they probably split that. Right. Ole Miss uh, is better than Oklahoma. I mean, I, I yeah, you know, no, I no, I agree with you. I think Oklahoma's yeah. a big question. But what did Vegas come out with them again, Brad? Oh, six, six and a half. I think it was maybe maybe seven and a half, and, and Ole Miss is at nine and a half. So it's 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 pretty high on Ole Miss. Yeah, we had four we had four SEC teams, right? But nine and a half. Yeah. You had Missouri, Bama, Ole Miss, and LSU. Yeah, going think, off script. And, Brad, and, and, asking you a question. If there was one, we talked about it on this show last week. There was one of those nine and a half. Season win total teams we just talked about, you trusted the most to get to over. Who are you going with out of those four? Stay with Ole Miss? I say Ole Miss, man, because of that schedule. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain Texas and Georgia are going to make the playoff. Those are the two best teams in the SEC. But they also play two tough schedules. Texas goes to Michigan week two. I'm assuming the Horns beat Michigan, but that that's no lock by any means. Correct. And obviously Georgia goes – Goes to uh, goes to Texas, plays Bama. So so Georgia's schedule, you know, it's it's not a cakewalk like like last season's schedule was. No transition a little bit now. Well, I think a lot of people, if you're doing, I was just doing for somebody a top ten coaches list, and I put Kiffin yeah. in it. So we kept playing sure. Kiffin in it, and sure. I wanted to transition to this, putting you on the spot here. If you had to say in the SEC, who is the most overrated coach in the league right as we stand right now on February 26th, and who is the most probably underrated coach in the league in your opinion? I'll go with my underrated pick first. For me, it's Brian Kelly at LSU. He's the second best coach in the country behind Kirby Smart. And after I came out with that a few weeks ago, I, I got all kind of hate mail, um, all kind of folks saying, what has he done? Well, he made the BCS title game 10 years ago at Notre Dame, made the playoff two additional times at Notre Dame. And remember, he didn't sign top five classes. He had mm-hmm. top 10, top 15 classes, but he didn't have these top five groups that he's going to eventually – be signing in Baton Rouge. And he's he's won 20 games his first two years at LSU. He beat Saban in year one, coached a Heisman winner last year, and, oh, by the way, fired his entire defensive staff after winning 10 games. And I think what's very uh, mo- most impressive about Brian Kelly, man, is he, he took two of the top assistants from Texas and Missouri and added them to Baton Rouge. Those are, those are boss moves, getting Bo Davis, Sark's best defensive coach, D-line there, and then getting Blake Baker, who I think is one of the, you know, rising star D coordinators in the country. And then, you know, kind of piggybacking on Mizzou, Eli Drinkwitz is the most overrated coach. Um, he impressed me last year beating Ohio State in the bowl game, you know, getting getting those double-digit wins. But he's he's done that once in his career at Missouri. They extended him two years ago. I thought it was a little early. And, and now it, you know, seems to be a pretty good move. But this, this schedule this season, if Missouri doesn't go 10-2, and two, then Eli did not have a good year coaching because, like Ole Miss, this schedule sets up for, you know, Disneyland-type season for Missouri. No, Brad, I, I not just because you're on the show, I would agree with you 100%. I'm like, for whatever reason, you tell me if I'm wrong, I get this vibe on social media, whatever the perception is. From an LSU perspective, it's almost like, you forgot they go ten and three, ten and three, or you forgot they went ten and three because everybody hammers them so much on how bad the defense was that you felt like, man, a lot of people feel like you kind of underachieved this year. And it's like, yeah, I guess with the offense, yeah, yeah, you did, you had a Heisman winner, but at the same time, 
you still only lost three games, and you had a couple pretty big wins. I mean, you could have beat – you're up at Alabama at half, and you could have beat Ole Miss. It could have went a couple of different ways. And I, but I agree with you on Eli Drinkwitz. It's, I think people forget at times that was his first winning season at Missouri. Yeah. yeah. It was five and five, six and seven, six and seven, 11 and two. I mean, everybody forgets that that LSU FSU game, FSU wound up being 13 and 0 and should have made the playoff. And like you said, the Bama game was, was certainly winnable for LSU. It kind of got away in the second half. And then the Ole Miss game, that was kind of a microcosm of, of, of Brian Kelly's frustrations. The, the secondary in Oxford just played horrific that Saturday and yet still had a chance to win that game. So I think LSU is a team right now that I've I've gotten the playoff as well, but I think the winner of LSU-Bama in November, that's going to be the SEC's fourth playoff team. And we're talking about LSU's de- defense just a little bit, then bringing in some new coaches. They went portal heavy last year yeah. in the secondary. Probably going to need at least – Looking at their roster, I've talked about it a lot on our show. I'm not a big fan of their interior defensive line. I don't know yeah. if that can get fixed in a spring portal window. But my question to you in general, and this is just an LSU thing, who are some kind of key transfers we need to be keeping an eye on in this conference that fans may not know now but will know come fall? Yeah, I'll start on offense, man. There, there's some guys that the running back position, I think the SEC really loaded up at running back. You've got Trevor Etienne at Georgia coming over from Florida. Marcus Carroll at Missouri, who I know you saw him. He he starred at Georgia State for Sean Elliott, yeah. very good player. I don't think he's going to have the 1,500-yard Doak Walker-type campaign that Cody Schrader did, but that's what Eli Drinkwitz expects out of him because he wouldn't have signed him if not. And then Rocket Sanders, South Carolina, the Gamecocks, he's one of three running backs Shane Beamer signed in a completely uh, revamped room. And one of the uh, cool pieces of that information there with South Carolina is they brought back Sean Elliott last week and he was the run game coordinator back when the Gamecocks had Marcus Lattimore, Mike Davis, some of those guys who really ran downhill in that zone read scheme. And that's coming back to South Carolina. And two years ago at Arkansas, Rocket Sanders had, what, 1,400 yards in that zone read scheme. So yep. between Carroll, Sanders, ETN, three really good backs, I think at wide receiver, C.J. Daniels at Liberty is going to be a first-team all-SEC guy in Baton Rouge as long as Garrett Nussmeyer is the quarterback we think he is. Of course, Isaiah Bond coming over from Bama, uh, going to Texas. That's two good players. Then defensively, I think the two major names that are going to be early-round picks are Walter Nolan at Ole Miss, the interior guy from A&M, former five-star, and then Trey Moore at Texas. No one's talking about Trey Moore. He's a guy who could have 14 or 15 sacks if he plays, you know, 15 games and stays healthy. He was a star at uh, UTSA last year, so – Nolan and Trey Moore are, are two guys that it would surprise me if they weren't first team all SEC uh, at the end of November. So you brought you brought up some transfers that obviously if you're listening to the show you probably should be taking notes of if Brad's bringing them up. And that gets me into some position battles because these yeah. guys are coming in to go take someone's job or at least compete for someone's job. If I had to put you on the spot again, I feel like I put you on the spot, Brad, about three times on the show. What position battle specifically in this league? If you had to pick one do you think has the biggest impact on how this league shakes out in 24? Yeah, I think trying to narrow it down, you have to start with the four or five teams that you and I and every other media member thinks will be in that top 10 range. We're talking about Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, LSU, and Bama. And for me, Kalen DeBoer, he's got a lot to look at, specifically at quarterback and wide receiver in the SEC this season. You know, who's going to be the guy who pushes Jalen Milrow 
here in a couple of weeks for reps? Is it going to no. be Dylan Lonergan? Is it going to be Ty Simpson? How far along is Austin Mack? We don't know any of those answers yet. And the wide receiver room has a lot of new faces too. A lot of transfers. A couple of guys went to the league, Jermaine Burton. There, the, There's talent there at wide receiver, but they're not proven. Who, who steps up? So I'm going to say Alabama's offense – as a position group whole, the the two deep on Alabama's offense is where I'm looking because if that team is going to be elite offensively in DeBoer's first season, then that means Alabama could really mess some things up in the SEC and how a lot of us think it's won. You know, everybody has Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, probably the top three teams. But if Bama's good offensively and Miro's even better than he was last season, then Bama's a playoff team and probably going to, you know, split some of them games against Bama and Ole Miss in Texas. So uh, I think it'll be very interesting just to see, you know, who's number two behind Milrow. You know, how how long is the leash for Jalen Milrow? Because we we did see him struggle at times last season. Yeah. And that leads me to our last question again. Brad Crawford from 247 Sports. Give him the follow at B Crawford 247. Brad, if you had to give me just – you can name as many as you want. Last one. Who would you say right now on February 26th is a lock into the college football? And I shouldn't say maybe lock's the wrong word, but in Brad Crawford's mind, sure. you would be really shocked. That could be six teams. That could be eight teams. It could be four. I don't know what it is. You tell me what teams you would be shocked right now across the country if they were not in the first 12-team playoff in college football next year. Yeah, there, there's four teams, man, that I, I think are just absolute locks. It's Georgia, Texas, Ohio State, and Oregon. They, they've recruited at an elite level these last couple seasons. I think they have four elite head coaches. I think Ole Miss would be that fifth team that, that I'm going ahead and being very confident in putting schedule. it in. Schedule favorability, man, means everything, and especially in a 12-team expanded playoff. Now, the ACC and Big 12, it is literally wide open. I was talking to a uh, Big 12 coach actually earlier this morning, and he was telling me how good Kansas is going to be this season. Like, don't don't be surprised if Kansas is 8-0 yeah. And ranked in that first playoff ranking because that's that's how you know top heavy that that Big Twelve is going to be. So, and then the G five champion, um, your your viewers might already know, but USF's a team that I'm extremely high on this off season. You know, I'm I'm not drinking the the Memphis and Boise State Kool Aid just yet. And of course, Liberty. The the schedule is so easy, and they've got Caden Salter back. But to be honest with you, I think even a 13 and 0 Liberty might not make the playoff. If you've got USF, say twelve and one, and their only loss is to Alabama, that's true. Yeah, they returned that trip to Tuscaloosa this year. Yep, yep. you're right. If that's their only loss, and it's not some, like yep. they're just trying to not get blown out, which would tr be a tremendous help to them. I mean, it may not be as close as last year was, but something. It'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting. So you're right, South Florida. I saw your article today with that. But again, Brad Crawford joining the show. He said it busy Monday. I appreciate him taking a time out of his evening. Again, Brad Crawford from 247 Sports College Football Analyst. Go give him the follow at bcrawford247. I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you probably read all Brad's stuff. But again, Brad, I appreciate you joining us, man. Anytime, Dave. No, no problem. Have a good man. night, man. You too. Again, Brad Crawford joins us. Does a phenomenal job. Great dude, by the way, too. Uh, if you do not – I don't know why you wouldn't be going to read some of the guys' articles right now, but you should be. Go give him the follow, like I said, at B Crawford247. Does a phenomenal job. I think I think I saw him post three articles today. All fun, entertaining stuff. He mentioned the Kansas stuff. I saw that today. But just wanted to bring it on. So you heard him. Most overrated coach, Eli Drinkwitz. I would agree with that across the board. First winning season this past year. Uh, 
most underrated coach. He said Brian Kelly. I would kind of agree with that too. It feels like this past year, some people were holding a little hard on Brian Kelly, but again, he did produce a Heisman candidate. Uh, he also um, just had a bad defense, but he also made the decision to go get those to go replace them, bring some other people in. We talked about some teams that Brad would be shocked would not be in college football playoff. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Great interview. Uh, good stuff across the board there. But moving on, it is time for a little SEC basketball review from this past weekend. Let's pull up the sketch, and we'll get quickly into the OSEC power rankings. Let's go back over to basketball. There we go. All right, let's go back to Saturday's action here. Jam-packed slate. So it started off Arkansas 88-73. Khalid Battle, just uh, just an unbelievable – and, again, we're not going to sit here and review all this. Just wanted to go through this. Khalid Battle, again, 42 points in 38 minutes. It kind of taken over. I mean, Arkansas – I mean, i got to say right now, the must bus is at least back on the road right now. I mean, it was – you had two wheels – out. There were no spares in this bus, but the must bus, it may be going 25 miles per hour or whatever the speed limit is on that Fayetteville campus, maybe nine, maybe 10. It's it's going slow, but it's moving forward. I will give them that. So Arkansas, again, and I'll give Missouri this. Guys like Sean East, Nick Hunter, they're not quitting. This is a winless Missouri team. I think that's a compliment to Dennis Gates and his staff. Again, there's nothing to be fired up about 8-19, 0-14 record. But again, your team isn't quitting. They're not quitting, so I'll give them that. Uh, Florida getting a 77-64 win over Vanderbilt. Riley Kugel once again did not play Vanderbilt. I just I don't see Jerry Stackhouse retaining his job. It is what it is. We talked about that a little bit. But I think Florida playing some of the best basketball again. Will Richard, 21 points. Walter Clayton, 19 points. Great week for Walton Clayton, Walter Clayton. Not much to say about this game. Uh, was a fun one to cover. South Carolina getting the 72-59 win overall miss. We talked about the Allen Flanagan elbow, but South Carolina in a place not a lot of teams have won at this year. At the Pavilion, getting a solid win. Getting a solid win. Again, this is a, this is a dangerous South Carolina team. It's not always pretty, but they seem to get the job done for Ole Miss. Musa Cisse uh, let them in points. They just, just a bad, they just take bad shots offensively at times to me. They just take bad shots offensively. They take so many long twos. It drives me nuts. It's got to drive Chris Beard nuts. So I just noticed that. Just wanted to bring it up. We'll talk a little bit more Ole Miss in the power rankings. But, again, South Carolina getting a massive win. Kentucky just totally dismantling Alabama. Now Alabama still scored 95 points. Uh, Alabama didn't play bad offensively. 56% from the field, 35% from the three-point line. John Calipari said after the game, they were going to let Alabama get all the twos they wanted, as you probably see that with Nick Pringle scoring 11 points, getting a couple dunks, uh, Modi Abadi doing the same. They just weren't Alabama. They weren't going to let Alabama get shots off in the three-point line. And I think a lot of teams are going to try to do that. They know Alabama's going to score. It's a pick-your-poison. They're going to get their points. There's a reason they average 91 points a game and went this far into the season in February 26th. They're going to get their points. What's going to hurt Alabama is going to be the Achilles heel, and if you followed college basketball at all this year, it's going to be not getting stops. But, God, I think Kentucky would have beat the Detroit Pistons on Saturday. They, I mean, they were unbelievable. Justin Edwards comes out of nowhere. He didn't miss a shot. He was 10 for 10 from, from, from the field and 4 for 4 from beyond the arc. The only shot he missed was a free throw that he went 4 for 5. I mean, he had 28, Antonio Reeves, 24. Big Z coming off the bench out of nowhere, 18 points. Rob Dillingham, 16. Everyone scored. 
I mean, this is one of Reed Shepard's worst games. They put 117. I thought it was going to be more than that. This game was 117 to 95. Was it that close? Again, Alabama going back to the drawing board here. They really need to. They they almost have to, I would say, at that point. I mean, they really do. Hold on, I'm sharing the screen again. Talking a little scores here for you. Uh, but, again, Kentucky getting a 117-95 win. Auburn, first game without Jalen Williams and against a coach Bruce Pearl traditionally struggles against. And Mike White, Auburn at the 97-76 win. I thought they had some guys like Chaney Johnson really step up for him. Some guys really made some plays. Of course, Chad Baker Mazzaro, his high school coach, passed. He said he did it for him postgame. That was a good interview. I'm sure you can go find that on TV, on a replay, on the SEC Network somewhere. But 25 points. Chaney Johnson, I mentioned 16. Janai Broom doing Janai Broom things. Eight boards or 13 boards in total, 16 points. Noah Thomason, I mean, 18 points. It's just Georgia just can't do the little things right. Just lost seven out of the last eight. But Auburn, very impressed. I, I picked them to lose this game. I thought this was a total, total game that they could be overlooked. It looked like that midweek bye that everybody's getting. I would love to go look at everybody's record. It seems like everybody coming off a bye plays really well. I mean, it's not real shocking. But it is crazy with the first time the SEC really doing this. Uh, everyone saw this coming, I think. Tennessee getting a big 86-51 revenge game. Two weeks ago, Tennessee went to College Station, took an L. This game for Tennessee set them back in the standings just a little bit. Again, Tennessee's plenty. They have they control their own destiny to go win the league. But this was one they had definitely like, how did we lose to Texas A&M this year? Texas A&M, a team slowly working themselves off the bubble. Slowly. Just not playing well at all. Took another loss to Arkansas midweek. Bounce back. Go lose on the road to Tennessee. Dalton Connect doing Dalton Connect things. Jonas Adu chipping in as well with 18 points, 14 boards. But I think everybody kind of saw that coming. The Mississippi State team of the week in the SEC to me getting the 87-67 win over LSU in the PMAC. LSU was coming off a big win, that tip-in against from, who was that, Tyrell Ward against Kentucky on Wednesday night. I mean, this is LSU, though, just inconsistent. Again, I'm not blaming Matt McMahon. This was a spot. I picked LSU, but I regret it. Mississippi State was due to get a big win. But if Josh Hubbard shooting like he did, 6 from 12 from beyond the arc, 8 for 8 at the free throw line, 9 for 17 in the field, it's going to be tough to beat. That's the stuff Mississippi State consistently needs. 87 points. Mississippi State ain't doing that to anybody. One of Mississippi State's probably most complete games of the season there. Again, Tolu Smith doing Tolu Smith things, 19 points, 9 boards. But, again, Mississippi State getting the big win there. Um, let's go look at the standings heading into four games left. we got Tennessee and Alabama knotted up at 11-3 and three across the board there. You can see the overall record. I'm not going to say it there. They play on Saturday night. ESPN's college game day, the college basketball game day, will be in Coleman Coliseum on Saturday. It's going to be a big game there. Both teams got to hold serve, though, because Tennessee plays Auburn at home. That's going to have some implications on that. Oh, I think Auburn has to win that game, but Tennessee-Alabama tied. South Carolina-Auburn tied at 9-4. and four. Florida and Kentucky at nine and five. Mississippi State and uh, Mississippi State at eight and six. Then it's a drop off. We got a two game drop off there. Ole Miss and Texas A and M and LSU sitting there at six and eight. Georgia five and nine. Arkansas five and nine. Vanderbilt two and twelve. Missouri zero and fourteen. So I think we're pretty much locked in Missouri and Vanderbilt on Sad Wednesday. Now we're just kind of battling out. I think between one, two, three, five teams starting at Ole Miss, A and M, LSU, Georgia, and Arkansas. So that's crazy to say because I think Ole Mississippi State, Ole Miss, AM, and LSU, and playing well are solid basketball teams. I mean, you got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Texas AM all fighting for tournament bids now. 
You got them fighting for tournament bids. So that's crazy to think about. They're all sitting at that, just kind of separating it. Just kind of separating how the league would be right now. Uh, let's go look at my power rankings real fast. Let's go review that. Let me go put that up for you real fast. And here it is. Don't kill me, Mississippi State fans. Mad they're not over Auburn after beating them a couple weeks ago. We'll get to that. Missouri coming in at number 14 for me. It's obviously they're obvious, they're winless. Vanderbilt, same thing. 13th is what it is. Uh Georgia. I don't think it's a bad basketball team, but they've lost seven of the last eight. I got to put them at 12th. I mean, Mike White, I think, has done a solid job his second year. They just can't close games out. AM, this was a team I thought that would be a lot going into conference play at NCAA tournament team. They're sitting at 11th. They have not played well, have a tough schedule still left. They may miss the NCAA tournament. That would not be a shock. That would not be a shock. Arkansas playing a little better right now. They swept Texas AM. I thought they would come in at 10. Thought I'd get a little more flat for that, but I guess people look more at head to head, I've noticed in this. But, again, this is all based on who I think would win a series on a neutral floor. I got LSU coming in at ninth. They've been playing well up till they lost to Mississippi State. Ole Miss eighth. Ole Miss reeling a little bit. They're out. They would not be in the tournament right now for the end of the day, according to Joe Lenardi. And, again, people pick and pride Joe Lenardi. I know he's not the greatest, but it's kind of the national media. If you haven't heard of Joe Lenardi, you're probably not watching college basketball. So I'm using him here as a reference. They come in at eight. South Carolina seventh. And this is where Mississippi State fans get a little bothered for whatever reason. Auburn, they, they beat Auburn a couple of weeks ago. So for whatever reason, they think they should be ahead of Auburn. I don't subscribe to that. Um, so I got Mississippi State coming at six. They still have to go to Auburn. And they host Miss, uh, Kentucky tomorrow night in a big one. But I think six is a solid spot for Mississippi State. Uh, Auburn coming in at fifth. Forming right there. I thought an awesome game coming out. Good energy. They looked refreshed, especially without their second best player in Jalen Williams. I thought that was one of the more impressive wins on Saturday at Stegman Coliseum. Again, traditionally Bruce Pearl has struggled against Mike White. Thought they had a great game plan. Chad Baker Mazzaro stepped up. Chaney Johnson stepped up in the absence of Jalen Williams. Kentucky would have beat anybody in the country. You heard me say Detroit. They beat the Detroit Pistons on Saturday. They shot lights out. Scored 117. Um, Edwards going off, like just going out of nowhere. I mean, Kentucky shoots like that. Now, some was – they were wide-open shots that Alabama were giving them. But if they go play at that on a consistent basis, I don't see many teams beating them. The thing is, is they're just not going to consistently do that. And that was a – I picked Alabama. I, I changed it last minute on my pick. I did it on the show. I picked Kentucky. It was a bad spot. Kentucky coming off a tough loss to LSU. They needed it. Alabama coming off an overtime emotional win against Florida. They need – it was a tough spot. But Florida, speaking of Florida, coming in at three. I know they went one and one this past week, but I was impressed with Florida. A legit second weekend team because of the ability to score consistently. Kind of like Alabama, but can they get the defensive stops? You may trust it a little bit more than you do Alabama. I mean, Alabama just gave up a 117 spot. And here we are at two. I mean, Nate Oates said, I saw tonight on his head coach show, he told his coaches, hey, if our guys don't start believing that defense matters after giving up 117, I don't know if there's anything else we can do. And again, Alabama's averaging 91 points per game. Most nights, eight out of 10 nights, they're going to outscore most people. But when you play a, a Kentucky team with NBA guys like Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Edwards, Reed Shepard, guys like that, Adu Thero, they're NBA guys. They're probably, they're not probably, they're better than Alabama's roster from top to bottom. I mean, Alabama's probably best NBA prospect is Jaron Stevenson, and he can't defend right now. He can score, but he can't defend. That's Alabama's issue. They get beat. I think they're a sweet 16 team, but what's going to keep them, I think, potentially from getting that Elite Eight Final Four? Is their ability to play defense. And then Kentucky, again, this all this rankings, guys, this power rankings comes down to 
Who would win on a neutral floor in a best of seven series? Give me Tennessee. I just love the consistency. They have a true score now. It can go take over late in the games and don't connect when they have to. Speaking of don't connect, is this if we had a better end of the year race of SEC player of the year. I mean, you got Dalton Connect, Mark Sears from Alabama, Antonio Reeves from Kentucky. Um, I I think you could make a case at times for Janai Broom. I think he's playing good basketball. But just wanted to bring that up. Uh, just wanted to go through my SEC power rankings. People up and down on them. Mississippi State fans complaining I haven't updated their logo. It is what it is, guys. It is what it is here. But let's get on to let's go preview this weekend now. It's a little bit shorter of an episode, guys, and that's usually not the case when we have a guest. But again, when you get to the meat and potatoes of this, let me show you the schedule, give you my predictions for this midweek action. Let's go to the schedule. And here it is, starting off tomorrow. One of the bigger midweek games here, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tips, Kentucky at Mississippi State. On ESPN, right now, Kim Palm has Mississippi State with a 55% chance of winning this game. Mm, I don't know. Does Kentucky take that Bama game and springboard it up? I mean, Mississippi State's playing well. They probably had as good as a week of anybody last week. Getting that win at home against Ole Miss. Going the road, beating LSU. I think Mississippi State, unless they lose four, five straight, lose their last four before, and then lose in the SEC tournament, I think they're in. I think they're a lot. You feel real good about one more win? I mean, they beat Kentucky tomorrow. They're a lot. Um you put them with that Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, and Kentucky group, Florida group. But this one, give me Kentucky. I'm going to go against Ken Palmer. Give me Kentucky. Getting a close win. Getting a close, close. I think it's going to be a really close game at the home. But give me Kentucky. I think the difference is going to be I trust Kentucky getting points when they need to. I trust. I think it's a big Reed Shepard game. I think he's going to go hit some big shots when they need to. Next, we got Georgia at. LSU in this one, LSU with a 61% chance to get back. I think they do at the PMAC. I mean, they wouldn't shock you though, Georgia, because LSU, so how do they handle a loss if they're coming off such a good last couple of weeks where they improve? Are they like, we took two steps or one step forward, we're going to take two steps back now? How do we recover after losing at home to Mississippi State? How do, do, are they hanging their hats or, or their heads, or does Matt McMahon get them back up on the horse? I'm going to lean in that. I'm going to agree with Kim Palm here and him giving LSU the 61% chance. I liked him there. Georgia can't close it out. Then Vanderbilt at Arkansas. Arkansas with an 81% chance to win this one at Bud Walton Arena. Don't have much to add to this one. I think Arkansas gets it done. Must and the boys are playing really well right now. Again, the – the spare tires are on the must bus. We are on the road, people. He's been off the road for a couple of weeks, but we got some spare. He called his trip away. The must bus is back on the road. And then going to Wednesday night's action, Missouri at Florida. Florida with a 91% chance to win this one. Remember, Missouri winless. Uh, Dennis Gates' team has not quit, though, so I'll give him credit there. But Florida, again, I think a second-weekend team. I'm as high on them as anybody. Florida gets this win at home. And then you got Auburn at Tennessee. This is the biggest one of – the midweek. It's this one, Kentucky, Mississippi State, then Alabama, Ole Miss. Now, I think that South Carolina A&M one's a little tricky, but we'll get to this one. But Auburn at Tennessee. Ken Palm giving Tennessee a 61% chance to win this one. I like Tennessee in this one. I don't like Auburn going on the road in this environment. I mean, at, at Tommy Bowl or whatever, they, the food center now, whatever they call it. It'll always be Thompson Bowl and Arena. But I think that gives them the edge. I like a guy like Santiago Vescovi. I like a Zagai Ziegler in this game. I think they're kind of the difference. Uh, the battle between Jonas Adu and Janai Broom will be fun. But I think at Tennessee, 
Tennessee gets it done. This is a must win for Auburn if they want to stay in this SEC race. They're already a game behind Alabama and Tennessee. They lose this. I know they have a manageable schedule left. They get Georgia, Mississippi State, and Missouri after this one. I think this is a must win, though. I don't think they get it done. I was talking to an Auburn fan on social media today, and they're like, I think the SEC comes down to Auburn at Tennessee. I'm like, well, Auburn's a game behind Tennessee and Alabama. I, I know they have an easier schedule outside of them, but Auburn has to win this game. I don't think they do. I agree with Kim Palm. Then we got the 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip, South Carolina at Texas A&M on the SEC Network. Kim Palm right now has A&M, 58% chance of winning this. He's got A&M favor there. A&M needs it. Reed Arena. This is going to be my upset of the week. I got A&M needing it, gotten to have, got has to have it. This was at South Carolina. I would pick South Carolina. We may see some foul difference. This, this is kind of the time of year is inconsistent as the refs have been calling this sport. Again, there's not SEC officials, guys. I'm telling you that. I hate when people say that. But this kind of – I could see this being a tough physical game that plays to A&M strengths. Boots Radford, Wade Taylor getting to the free throw line. I think AM gets it done. I'm going to agree with Kim Palm here. I'm going to agree with him there. And then finally, the 8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip at the Pavilion, Alabama at Ole Miss. Kim Palm gives Alabama a 73% chance to win this one. I like Alabama in this one. Uh, probably not as much now that I thought Alan Flanagan would be suspended for this game. But I think Alabama almost looks like a tired team. They look like they've exerted all their energy early in non-con in an early non-conference play. They just look like a tired team, take bad shots. It's a bad matchup for them. Alabama likes to get up and down the floor. I heard an SEC official say when you ref an Alabama game, you're at, you're averaging running five miles a game. You don't get that with most teams. Alabama's depth, tempo, I think it's going to be close at half. I think in the last 10 minutes of the game, though, Alabama pulls ahead. Alabama needs this one if they want to stay in the SEC overall race because they got Tennessee coming down on Saturday. That game speaks for itself. Then they go at Florida, and they get Arkansas, who's playing a little better. And again, like I said, you feel good about Alabama winning the SEC if they could get one of the road games. I said this last Thursday, either at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, or at Florida. Well, Kentucky didn't go well, as we all said, that. you 117 points. They still got at Ole Miss, at Florida. They got to win one of those road games. I think Ole Miss gives them the best chance, as you saw Ken Palm with a 71% chance to win that one. I think Alabama wins this one. I think this is uh, Latrell Wright sells should be back. You have Muhammad Wagi who can give some minutes. to a big guy back from suspension after his suspension against Florida. He missed the Kentucky game. Latrell Wright fell due to concussion, missed the Kentucky game as well, who NATO says is the best shooter he's ever had. Um, I think it's a big – it's a big Ryland Griffin game. If he can kind of defend Allen Flanagan, Matthew Morrell, limit them. Again, Ole Miss will take him, force him some bad shots, place into Alabama's hands. I think Alabama eventually runs them off the floor with their depth and tempo. So give me Alabama there. So for the midweek slate, I have Kentucky getting a very close win. I think Reed Shepard has a big one here. Georgia, LSU, I think LSU, but I don't feel really good. How do they respond after having a disappointing loss at home to Mississippi State on Saturday night? Vanderbilt in Arkansas, give me Arkansas. And then I think going to Wednesday night matchup, give me Florida at home. I think Tennessee, I think Auburn's SEC title hopes go to bed on Wednesday night. Again, I think Auburn can still go to – I I, I kind of like their depth, even – even with Jalen Williams being out a little bit. I like what Auburn can do in the tournament. I think AM gets a big must-win game at home. I'm going to call it a must-win. You heard it right here. They have to have it. I think they get it. And I think Alabama, for to not make the Tennessee and Florida games must-wins, they have to have this game at Ole Miss. If they do, Tennessee beats Auburn. You're looking at 
not a winner take all because there's still some math has to go into it. You're looking at the winner of that Alabama Tennessee game on Saturday night and Coleman Coliseum probably going to win the SEC regular season. So I think that's where we stand right now, heading into with four games left. But again, that is it for this episode. A little bit shorter. We congested it a little bit. Um, I have a short, sharp eight o'clock. I got to get to, but we had Brad Crawford, two four seven college football analyst, join us. Talk most overrated coach, underrated coach in the SEC. Mentioned Brian Kelly. Mentioned Eli Drinkwitz. Talked about who he would be shocked not to see in the college football playoff. Uh, we also talked about why, if Ole Miss doesn't make the college football playoff, why wouldn't they? He gave us that reason. I uh, thought the schedule was real, uh, was real beneficial, and I agree with that. I think that's why a lot of people would say Ole Miss would be in that. Talked about some transfers we need to know. Talked about the Moore kid that a lot of people aren't talking about at Texas. I encourage you to go back and watch that interview. We wrapped up that weekend in the SEC. This upcoming weekend in the SEC is going to be a phenomenal. A lot of teams, Vandy, LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama. we got Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Clemson, South Carolina, Miami, Florida. This is the best weekend of baseball we've had so far. So buckle in for that. We reviewed this past weekend on Saturday slate on the SEC on the hardwood. We previewed this upcoming slate. Three big ones. All right, I would really say four. You got obviously Auburn at Tennessee. You got tomorrow night, Kentucky at Mississippi State. Then you got uh, South Carolina, Texas A&M. I like Texas A&M in that must-have situation. Then Alabama sneakily having to go to the pavilion a lot of places uh, at a place – at Ole Miss, against a tired-looking Ole Miss team, though. But a lot of people haven't won at the Pavilion. But we had a fun episode. Got you in and out of here just under the hour. I appreciate you joining us. Please go like, subscribe on the SEC Unfiltered platform on YouTube. Go give us the like, subscribe, follow on Mock 10 Sports. You can follow us wherever you get your podcast. Same on the SEC Unfiltered uh, platform as well. But, again, I appreciate you joining us. Have a fantastic evening. Keep following us on Mock 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.